Welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today I have with me Gra- Grabe Hicks. <laughs> yeah. Gabe Okay. Welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today I have with me Gabe Hicks. If you'd like to introduce yourself, please. That's me. I'm Gabe Hicks. You can't see it, but I'm punching the air right now. I, you know, I appreciate your level of enthusiasm coming into this podcast okay. recording because that's sometimes what we need. And you kind of have at times, as some people have probably seen in like your TikToks, you have that anime enthusiasm <laughs> for what you're doing. Um, I wasn't going to tell you um, until we were recording Friday. I've listened to your podcast. As soon as you mentioned it to me, I actually like uh, started listening to it because I, I have recently realized that I liked podcasts, but this is the only like tabletop related podcast that I've been listening to. That's not just like people playing a game. And I wanted to say this while we were on air to get your actual reaction so that you know that. But I've listened to, I think, six episodes so far. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Uh, I am always uh, very, I'm very surprised when people tell me that. I've had that happen to me before where a guest will come on and they'll say, and they don't tell me on air. So I get like the non, um, yeah. I get the measured and business-like reaction of like, yeah. oh, thank you. But like, um, which I'll, I guess I'll say, you know, thank you yeah. very much for uh, listening. And honestly, uh, one second, my three. Um, honestly, one of the things that I really um appreciate more than anything is being able to do this podcast. It's one of my favorite things. It's the thing that makes me the least amount of money, but it's the thing I love the most. I love yeah. having these really in-depth conversations with people. It, it's it's nice when you can sit and speak to someone genuinely and then be able to share that as well. Um, because people people want to be able to experience a conversation sometimes just as an onlooker, which is why we love television and stuff like that. But when you can ha- when you can have people having a true conversation about something they're passionate about and things like this in a medium, it also like it's as weird as it is. Podcasts are a great way to get a chance to talk to someone that you've wanted to talk to and then like just really dive into it in a fully passionate way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really helps me as a project manager a lot of the time when I am uh, finding people that I really like to talk to and I connect with because then I just want to work with those people, you know? And that actually happened with me and uh, Jeremy Cobb from Three Black Halflings. Like we connected so much in our podcast that uh, they were like, hey, you want to come on the show? And I was just like, I would love nothing more, Jerry. I haven't done an actual play in like a year or more because I've been doing my pro GMing thing. But I was so excited to like, and I had, and here's the thing, Gabe, like, here's the thing. I have never been invited to a show. That was my first really? invitation. Wow. Yeah. Let me, I mean, I. I the the first show I ever did and shout out to shout out to Kayla because uh, I I tell Kayla this like there was I I loved tabletop I was so intimidated by the space but there was this very friendly woman online who was like you seem excited and like I like that you're excited about things do you want to play on this actual play with us and I was like terrified uh, but she was my biggest cheerleader who didn't know who I was and I was barely involved in the space that was like maybe three years ago time is not real and like I that first invite like it it changes your world right because it's 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 not even about like how big it is or how grand it is it's like someone saw me and was like I want to tell a story with them and that is gonna like 
that's going to live yeah. with me for like it feels really special um and i was someone who was not new to the actual play space i'd done some shows but it was always i put the show together and Whoa, yeah so yeah. i yeah my shows for Cobalt press i put them together i wasn't always the gm like i had my friend be the gm once but i i was the one who cast everyone and i was the one who like get everything ready and i packaged it like for our first Cobalt press show i shot the pilot on my channel and like um we like i did everything and then i presented that as part of like the pilot for Cobalt press which chelsea accepted and then we we ran with it so the first uh episode of the empire of the ghouls playthrough that we did for Cobalt press um was actually shot on my channel and they just brought it over to their channel and then we ran shout it with it for two seasons shout out to you for doing what i wish i had done earlier and i would love to see more people do you want to be involved in these things and it isn't happening just a way that other people are making it happen for you so you did it yourself shout out to you for doing that because that's hard sometimes like people, yeah. people are like i want this thing to happen but i would love for other people to do it for me and you're like no i want this thing to happen and I want it to happen. I don't need to run it, but I want it to happen. So I'm going to do it. And then it worked. Yeah. Gosh, dang. It was um, it was pretty surreal. One of the other things that I uh, did at that same time was I was watching a D&D Beyond interview with a couple of people. One was the uh, Dark Dice guy. Uh, I can't remember his name mm -hmm. off the top of my head. And then yeah. also Lou Anders. And they were both world builders. And Lou Anders made these uh, this series of children's book books, uh, like Vikings uh, children's book stories. And it was really it was really a cool story. And I uh, read the kid's book. Um, and then I sort of looked into his um, setting that he was developing as uh, Thrones and Bones in Odengard. And um, <clears throat> I reached out to Lou, just cold email. Hey, here's my like qualifications. Um, and it was all like Marine Corps shit. <laughs> and I was like, here's all my qualifications. I'd like to run a show. And, uh, you know, we'd like to feature like your setting because I find it to be really interesting and fun. And he was so gracious with his time. He got on a call with me and he walked me through the PDF and like the world. And this was not out yet. It was like I was like one of the first people to see it. And um then he sent it to me and he supported me uh, in a ways that, you know, were really helpful for me. And then I put my show together with like Lou Anders help. And it was it was really it was there's so many people where I was just like, I'd really like to do something. And I reached out to them and I tried to be as professional as possible in like trying to get it done. And they just helped me. And, um, you know, Lou Anders and uh, Chelsea Dot Steverson and Jasmine Bueller and like all of these people that I ended up connecting with um, over the course of that first year. And then M. Ebel um, were just so incredibly helpful in my professional development in the space. I still sometimes forget, like, I started the Vineyard officially one year ago from right now, time of recording, March one year ago, 2022. It had started in my brain probably a year prior to that when I started initially, when I first was running my actual play show with it as the setting. And then it sort of developed from there. So uh, it was, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm a... I'm a leap first, ask questions later kind of person. So sometimes it gets me in trouble. Like I will just like go and overcommit, and that's my problem. Now I have to figure out how to commit less to stuff. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Oh. Um, for for you and um, let's talk about TikTok because this is something I've not yeah. talked with anybody except for Katiosaurus. I did talk to Katiosaurus um, yeah, yeah. about TikTok a little bit. Um, what's your experience been like with TikTok? How did it get going? And then what do you think mostly about TikTok now? In sort of the rear view of like you sort of being a pretty big presence on TikTok. Uh, TikTok is 
People give TikTok a hard time. Like, TikTok is a cursed place. TikTok is a weird place. The internet is a weird place. That's all entirely relative. It's all going to be like that. Um, And I went into TikTok thinking, like, dang, I just want to make short videos that are fun for me. And TikTok is a place where... Th that that TikTok is a, is a good example of, like, me not picking a lane. <laughs> because on TikTok, I post cosplay stuff. I post, like, tabletop stuff. I post, like, D&D-specific stuff or Pathfinder stuff. I uh, stunt work on TikTok, and I also post thirst traps. I know who I am. I accept it. And the funniest thing about TikTok is that having that variety of stuff on there, I love when people come for one thing and then stay for the rest of it. And it's th the funniest thing to me at this point is like people people who recognize me from TikTok out favorite thing to ask is, what's the video you recognize me from? Because the answers are <laughs> always different. Some people yeah. are like, oh, the Hal Pendragon. And someone's like, oh, the creepy jester. Someone's like, oh, the mimic hearts. And someone's like, you were shirtless in the woods. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, recently, I think it was a few months ago, right? You started uh, going back to the gym or you started going to the gym. And I don't know how much of this was real or not. Are you for real? You never went to the gym, like? Friday, truth, I go to the gym once a month, maybe. It's it's unfair, it's unreasonable, Res I'm aware. Respectfully, Gabe, fuck you. <laughs> I said, and some, someone's like, Gabe, it's cause you climb trees for fun. I'm like, that doesn't, all right, I guess that counts. No, 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 you're that, very physical yeah. in your life, yeah. yeah. So you're very, that makes sense. Um, yeah. You're just following a different path, but like your, your diet must be great, I would assume. Uh, that you just sure. take care of yourself. Oh, fuck you. No. <laughs> There's, no! There, Freddy, there, there are there are dumplings on a plate right here. <laughs> there is like an oatmeal container and some passion fruit gummies. I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I drink so much water. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, of course. You know, it's I'm the water. Problem. Yeah, it is. But like, like, so t TikTok is a weird place. I am potentially an outlier. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but I also think that there are definitely bits of advice that influencers and creators of all sorts will give you of like, here's the way to beat the algorithm. Here's the way to work against the algorithm. Here's the way to make it work for you. And if that's not working for you, try something else. Like try unorthodox things. Post at weird times. Um, don't like it post post the same video in a couple different ways like re re-record it and then do it in like two or three versions and then post them and one of those might do better if yeah. the strategy that someone is telling you is not working and they say that's the best way to do it that's the best way to do it for them i have a really good or bad habit of like posting at like midnight or two in the morning and then just like posting without captions and i, I i'll even like type in the description i didn't put captions on this so if you see this you're cursed sorry and <laughs> as as weird as it is when it's like a caption like that people are like oh i'm cursed they're like oh wow i'm cursed and they'll they'll reply to it them replying makes it more visible yeah. and posting at inopportune times is uh, again a grain of salt kind of stupid because inopportune times is not a work like a global thing an inopportune time for someone on the east coast in the u.s might be an opportune or ideal time for someone in england and that is how you expand your audience i don't have just a u.s based audience which i've accepted because i post at demon hours in the u.s <laughs> and those people across the pond are awake 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, no, oh, no, Gabe, we're awake. We saw it. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to delete this in, in two hours. And then I delete it in two hours. But then, like, the UK people are like, oh, Gabe, now we saw. We saw. Nice, nice thoughts, by the way. I'm like, shut up. So t- um, TikTok has been a great place just to, like, throw out ideas. And people, t- TikTok has become one of the best places to get people excited about something and then talk about it on, like, Twitter or Instagram or somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very spontaneous place, it seems like. I'm kind of an outsider, like, looking in, and I feel like most of the advice I've seen around that wasn't necessarily, like, social strategy, but it's mostly just, like, um, the algorithm is going to hate you no matter what you try to do, so, like, you might as well yes. just, like, say fuck it and just, like, do what you want to do. Yes! Yeah. And it works better! Um, like, t- TikTok is going to be a real hard place to make money directly through TikTok. But if you use TikTok to send people to other places where you make money, that's when you're going to do well. If if you have a Kickstarter and you have a link to your Kickstarter in your TikTok bio, people will often click your bio to see what other videos you have. And they're like, oh, there's a Kickstarter link. What's that? Or if, like, you have a link tree or, like, an itch.io and people, and you're like, yeah, the link's in my bio. You can go to that thing. People will click that, go there. People will go to other places. Or people will be like, I saw this on TikTok on any other social media site. I, as soon yeah. as people started recognizing me from TikTok in real life, I'm like, damn, I guess this does work. Yeah, that must be um, must be different. Do you, uh, do you cosplay at conventions at all or no? I do. I cosplay at conventions all the time. Um, the 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 funniest thing is like my local Ren Fair. I got recognized. I get recognized in my local Ren Fair now, like every couple weeks, and it's like almost exclusively from TikTok. And there was <laughs> there was one time when someone was like, "You like are you are you cosplaying that jester dude from TikTok?" Not ask me. <laughs> And it was just it was just the funniest thing because it was like it was like a, a random D and D creature and like encounter that I wrote and I'm like <laughs> I want I want a I want a creature that is both celestial and fiend so that when the paladin uses divine sense they feel like something is wrong uh, and that sh- blew up in ways that I was like why do people like this I just I just wanted to be like the <laughs> Joker if he wasn't abusive yeah and, like gremlin hour uh, energy all the time truly. 24 yeah. hour gremlin hours. Um, I do f- think it's kind of fascinating sometimes because I am connected to quite a few people who are TikTokers. And one of the things that is sort of prevalent in the space is ADHD, of course. Um, and the creators who are uh, ADHD creators are, it, it's like, I I don't know, like five to one, I think, like ADHD to not ADHD for TikTok creators um, and people who consume TikTok. So it's kind of interesting for me to have that going in and really that understanding of like, okay, this person uh, operates in this particular way that now that I understand a little bit more about it, or now that I have sort of an awareness of how they operate, I can work better with that person because then I know that I really just need to work to try and get this person's attention. And then once I have their attention, we're going to be talking for like three hours to figure this project out and then we're going to hammer it out. And then, and then I'm going to be there to um, at least provide the stop gaps for like project management so that this person knows, Hey, here's where we're going to sit down and I'm going to be there to support you or someone else is going to be there to support you to get you through that work because I know it's hard for you to focus but once we get you going i'm gonna love your work yes yep 
Yep. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And that tick TikTok has been a really fun place to find people to collaborate with and like just people who inspire me with their storytelling or cosplay or any of that. And people who have worked so hard to build an audience. And sometimes I feel so out of place because I didn't join TikTok to have an audience. I I was like, I just want to make fun, weird videos and I just want to dress like a silly man and use audios where they're not going to get takedown by DMCA because they're already yeah. publicly listed. And then my TikTok <laughs> audience grew and i was like what the hell do i do with my <laughs> right my tiktok is not monetized don't ever plan to monetize it i don't think that tiktok would make me enough to want to monetize it yeah and i don't want i don't want that tax documentation for making 12 dollars. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah give me your fucking 12 dollars um that's like a i i have actually gotten a sales commission check for like six bucks or something once um and it was like after i'd like left the job or whatever and it was finally funneling through there's a lot of uh commission-based sales places that are once they're super corporate enough they just like find ways to pay people less through like the red tape that they put through commissions and i think tiktok is one of those places but like I've worked in those sales jobs where like the commission is so astronomically low for everyone except for like the top one or two earners. And you're just like, how long does this person worked in the industry to get to that place? And in the, ca in the case of my previous employment that I only worked for, I think, like six to nine months after I got out of the military, the top earners was like two different people who'd been working in that industry for literally 20 years. And I'm just like, they are making a living wage, like they are making $100,000 or whatever to support a family if they're a single earner, right, for the household. But like everyone else is making just above minimum wage. And I'm just like, there's nowhere in between. So this is this is nope. clearly wrong, first of all. And then, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of it's really shitty, uh, to be honest. And I and I get frustrated with a lot of the corporate structures in place that really reinforce that kind of behavior and that it, no wonder. And I say that uh, can I ask how old are you, Gabe? Twenty nine. You know, okay. you know, you, you know, Friday. It's an exclusive scoop. I have never told anyone in an interview how old I was because no one's ever asked. People, wow. people think that I'm 25. People think that I'm 35. I am yeah. 29. I will be 30 in May. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you heard it here first. Um, so <laughs> this will probably come out in May. So you'll probably be yeah. uh, oh. just just breaching the 30. Um, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll maybe we'll premiere it on your birthday or something. <laughs> That's fine by me. I, it, but if you premiere it on my birthday, know that when I hit 30, all the shame that I had left, I... Friday, I feel it evaporating out of my skin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, once... And I'm I'm 35, uh, I'll be 36 what? this year, and um, um, <laughs> it's HRT, it's a performance-enhancing drug, like... <laughs> Um, Jesus. Yeah, um I'm I'm way I'm I've like de-aged in the last 2 years since I've been on HRT. I've been on ah, HRT damn. 18 months now, but um yeah, so I I think that uh, after 30 especially like you let go of a lot of the stuff that you thought previously was important and then you're just like you it, it's a different perspective to have especially as you advance either in uh your career, or your profession, and for you I think you have sort of done a little bit of everything in like I think moving forward for you especially uh, in your 30s. I'm really excited for you and to see what you're doing um, in the next decade. I think that's going to be amazing. God. And I think you have a lot of possibilities. Um, I'm, just, with I'm just so excited to make things. And like, I'm, I'm not afraid to make things that aren't perfect. 
anymore. Because uh, also the idea I had in my head of perfect is just so out there. But like, I just want to I want to make things and if people enjoy it, great. And if people don't enjoy it, I finished the thing and then I can work on more of the things that people really enjoyed. Um, but in, in the past three years, I have. Uh, uh, oh, God. I have been a creative producer. I have been a game designer. I've been a senior game designer. I have been 27 published products. Uh, oh my uh, God. Have, <laughs> oh, <I'm> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, written a kid's book that comes out in June. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It's, I, oh. wrote a, I wrote a, kid, a kid's guide to tabletop role playing games. Comes out in June. It'll be in uh, Barnes and Noble, Target. Oh my Walmart. God. I know. What the hell? What? Oh my God. Um, How have I. Do you have anything to show for. Uh, to, to like share? Oh. Uh, yeah, I I will I will send you uh, okay. some early stuff that you can see. Yeah, um, that'd be great. I would love to see it. And it's it's got interviews uh, from like uh, Justin Armin, Jennifer yeah. Kretschmer, Banana Chan. Oh my god, that's so um, cool. And it was it was like it was one of my favorite things. I think it's my favorite thing I've done that is out currently. Uh, well, that, that 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 is public and known about, not out currently, because like it was just writing something it was, it was like i wrote the book that i wish i had read when yeah. i was younger to just start making stuff because i'm like oh i can't make these things i can't make these games and i'm like wait no i can do this oh my god wait kids can do this i wish kids did this because when when kids do this now and then they're older they're like making this stuff and they're not they're not worried about how to publish this thing they're not worried about like oh i'm not a big enough presence they're just gonna make stuff and then then i get to play those games then i just get to be the one who plays their games <laughs> And I get it. Look, I'll make it. I'll, it's selfish. I'll, really, it's in full circle. It's selfish. It's for it you. It truly is. I want to be well enough that I can make like one or two games a year and then sit. And then I can just play the games that all those other people are making. That's that's my dream. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm mm. like thinking about this and I'm like tearing up a little bit because like I know that like you send me that stuff. And like when it comes out, I'm going to read that to my children. I have a uh, I have a um, I have a my oldest is turning eight this year. Uh, oh, yeah. My middle child is five, and then my youngest is like two. And um, oh my right, gosh, that's so cool! Yeah, I would love to. I would love that. That would be so great. I'm so excited. Um, especially because like uh, my my oldest is getting into art. Uh, really likes DBZ, of course, and like just draws like Sonic and like DBZ like comics. Hell yeah! Um, and my yeah, and my uh, my my son is very just interested in like creating stuff and he's um sort of geared that way he likes mechanical things like engineering and how things work and then also he's very interested in like creating um artistic stuff he's he's great i i love well i love all my children but like you know he's at that age where he can start expressing himself creatively it's so cool to yeah. see what Kids are so kid. There's a lot to learn from kids, and talking talking to kids, uh, like my my niece, so interesting because kids ask the question. Like talking to my niece has given me some of the best design things I thought of. She she was like, "Gabe, why is the sky?" And I'm like, "Oh, uh, let me tell you the, the answer to that." And then I explain like the science. But what if it wasn't like that? <laughs> oh, 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 oh shit! <laughs> what? What if? Well, hold on. <laughs> like, well, but what if it was? What if the color made it red, and then blue was bad? So the sky being blue meant that everything was bad. I'm like, stop it! I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, alternate they, plate of existence, and and just yeah. so like I, uh, I, I think that's the never, same thing with with um with new players to a system. They ask the yes. best questions because they no. don't have a framework to work with. But with yes. children, they question everything. Yep, and they're open to the responses. And then if yes. they um are taught to have an open mind and you know the mother of my children is such a wonderful parent she's very patient with my children and explaining things yeah. so they're infinitely curious which can be annoying sometimes but it's this like yeah. at the same time it's like i need to have the patience for that because then otherwise what it turns into if you're not patient with children in their curiosity is like they become very jaded people i think you know and they just like they don't want to be curious anymore and they just accept things as they are but that's not i think the best way to raise children is my opinion but anyway yeah off the topic but (laughs) yeah i didn't Um, know we got here i i wrote a bunch of things and i've just been very proud and excited i mean yes the age i'm excited for this next decade i'm excited for the next couple years i i don't i think it'll come out this year but I did a thing last week that we won't reference, but we talked about a little bit, I think is actually one of the biggest things that I've done in my career. And like when it was, when I went into it, I wasn't nervous. I was just excited. And when I walked away from it, I was like, that was some of the most fun I've had in months. And I was just happy and there was no low from it. It was just like, damn, I like this stuff. I enjoy this stuff. I'm, and I, I am, uh, I'm a very, <laughs> I am not a confident person. I am an incredibly shy, not confident person. I try, I try really hard to not project that, but oh my God, I, Friday, I got, I got like, ner- we were, I was out with uh, some people yesterday and we were like taking like pictures for a thing and they wanted me to like stand on a table and I got nervous to stand on a table for them to take a picture of me. I am a shy bench, but I finally hit a point where I'm like, I'm kind of proud of myself. And like, I was, I also, I had to learn the difference of like being humble versus like allowing yourself to be proud of the fact that like when you're doing something, you can be happy versus like, no, no, don't like yell about your achievements, internalize them, be happy and then move forward. So I, I used to like do that for like so long versus like someone, someone that I've worked with was like, no, Gabe, you can be excited that people are excited about your work. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm 29 years old. No one besides my parents has said that to me. So like this dude saying that to me, like flipped a switch. I would have felt like people have taped down for so long. Yeah. Wow, I, I got deep. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I, I have that like bit of, and this is something that I definitely learned in the Marine Corps. It was like a compensation mm. thing and it was very involved with gender, but we won't get into that. I've talked about my gender a lot on this podcast. I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but uh, it, we just ended up talking I, I about I have Friday. I'm a listener. <laughs> no you know my gender issues um okay so yeah so um and it's really just like uh you try to harness like that nervousness as excitement instead of nervousness for me and me just being like enthusiastic and trying to be open to criticism at the same time where i focus and i just do my best and then i accept what i've done and then i'm just at peace with that because that's where I'm at in my life. And I know that the writing that I do a year ago is not going to be as good as the writing that I'm going to do this year. And it's just going to get better over time. And a lot of these opportunities that have been afforded to me, I've really had a lot of um, great opportunities to be mentored by these more experienced people that are helping me improve. So like at the same time, it's like if I ever 
am too confident in what I'm doing, then I'm not, then I'm going to stop improving. I'm going to stop uh, feeling, I'm going to start, stop hitting these benchmarks where I like can clearly see my writing when I started the Avenir project and now where it's at right now. And it's like just in credit, it's just gotten so much better because I've had so much feedback from one of the best in the business through M and like all these other writers that I've been working with and sort of understanding the process better and understanding the process better really just comes with work and doing the work should be celebrated as much as getting, you know, the accolades of the work. I, of course, would love it if we won awards for the book or anything else that we're doing. I would love it. First and foremost, I need people to get paid. (laughs) And then it's fun. And like the, it's there's a difference when someone's making something and like they care about the people as much as they care about the product which that makes like that that's what makes me buy in if someone's like all right we're making this thing and you all gotta do this all right i'll see you in a month i'm like but i i don't i don't know how this works versus like you've you've made every effort to talk through as much as you can to be as available as you can but not feeling like you're leaning over people's shoulders to figure out every choice that they're making you're you're there to their left if they have a question but you're there to their left and you are not hovering and like even if at like an award doesn't come from the book from an external source i'd be shocked if you didn't hear back about how good of an experience some people had just in early stages. Like even even this, even us talking here, if I didn't enjoy working with you in Vineyard, which was the, 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 oh, the no. prime chance that we've gotten to do it. Like to be honest, with you, I don't, I, this, this conversation probably wouldn't have happened, but like, because it's been such a good experience and talking with you is genuine and easy and sincere. It's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'd, I'd happily make some time to talk to Friday. That's fun. That's something that I enjoy. I don't have the patience to do things I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. You reach that point where you're just like, you have, I, I'm not saying you're like rich, but that's the equivalent of like, fuck it money. Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> or fuck you money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's I've, that point. I've made enough to like pay my bills for the next few months. I'm not rolling, but also I don't live, I live in the East Coast. My apartment ain't expensive. So like, yeah. I'm chilling and I, I'm not going to hustle until I have to. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to... <laughs> I had a very good. I have to. Wow. I had a very good conversation with my mom, and I'm like, I don't want to hustle. I don't want to feel like I have to hustle. Some people tell me that I have to hustle, and I don't want to. And my mom's like, Gabe. My mom told me that I only have to do two things, and I'm gonna tell you the same. You only have to do two things: be black and eventually die. (laughs) Like, maybe I don't have to hustle. You're right. All right, good. Damn. Yeah. Damn. And I'm like, shit, you know what? She's right. <laughs> is that the is that the podcast title? Is that Hell the yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. Gabe Hicks. I don't have to do I don't have to do two things. Be black and eventually die. <laughs> and wow. and it, was, it was it was so mind-blowing because I keep putting this idea of like this is stuff that I have to do. This is stuff that I have to get done. This is stuff that like I have to do so I can exist in this space. And then I'm like, why do I think that? Ah, because other people told me that I have to do that. Are these people that have my interests in mind? Are these people that want me to do the things that they did it? Uh, Are these people thinking they're giving me helpful advice, but in truth, it's not necessarily applicable? And I'm like, are these people who would do it the way that I would do it? And when I realized how often it was like, oh, none of this isn't applicable to me. This is just the way that I've seen it. I was like, "Eh, I'm not going to do it that way. And 
Now I have a three-bedroom apartment to myself while living on the East Coast and having been on Dimension 20, uh, written for Darrington Press, then a sponsored cosplay for Critical Role, have been a senior game designer for Steamforged Games, have uh, written on the Transformers, Power Rangers, uh, G.I. Joe RPG, have written on the Dark Souls RPG, have written for MCDM multiple times, have worked with Cobalt Press. And I'm like, maybe I don't have to do it their way. Yeah, I think there I think there's a lot of value to that. And uh we're gonna get to um talking about your uh your company, your LLC. Oh, yeah. It's LLC, right? Um, yes it is. Okay, cool. We'll we'll I get like to limited about liability. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the liability where people can't sue you and then they put you out is just like your company goes under instead. Which is nice. It's nice to have that. Um but let's talk about uh I did want to briefly touch on like your experiences at Dimension Twenty. What you think? Yeah. What were the some of the uh, more challenging aspects for you? I know they have a really yeah. tight like shooting window, and like you know it's a it's a whole professional production. So I'm very curious yeah. about your thoughts from that, and like what were your takeaways? Yeah, Dimension Twenty was a really well refined process, and it really improves my concept of what it means to pre-record and then put something out because then you get to give that much more safety and space to the people that you're playing with. With live performances, people have a like perspective where they need to act big and bold in ways as it is a performance that people are embracing right now and then trying to get the crowd to react versus like a pre-recorded performance where you can act big and bold but you actually have an extra safety net where if you do cross a boundary with someone people don't feel like they're stopping a live production to speak for themselves and as safe as it should be that can still be hard there's plenty of times when like i've been on the live show where i'm like i don't love the way this is going but i feel self-conscious about saying something because everyone else is so happy versus like pre-recorded it's, it's significantly easier to do that they are a wild editing machine i would i would love if dimension 20 episodes were longer personally because when you're editing down one of the hardest things is knowing what didn't make it in there when it feels like there's so much good i was like i would i would dream of having a director's cut of uh some of the shriek week stuff because to me some of the best stuff wasn't stuff that made it in just because of like cutting for time or like trying to make a transition when you are working with a company in that sense they're always going to have like a basis of where they want to lean it and it's very interesting because my storytelling style is so heavily unscripted that having more of a script that you're going with is something that I can adapt to but I also like I prefer not to I I prefer not to because then it gives more agency to the people at my table with me when you have such a limited amount of time and you're leaning towards the way a story has to go it feels to me that unintentionally you take a little bit away from the table and feeling like it's everyone's story it's that okay i've got this six episode story that you all are going to be experiencing versus getting everyone when you when you have a little bit of a longer aspect or a little bit of a more like open-ended situation it can be like okay like i want to focus on you this time i want to focus on you that time it feels a little bit easier to give everyone their highlights when you have a production that's a little bit longer and a little bit less focused around it has to be this kind of experience that yeah. also already hasn't been written. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a style of storytelling that I think more resembles 
a Matthew Mercer then in yes. that case, right? So it's like that collaborative storytelling where he's built the setting, but he's ready to yeah. react and go where they go. And you yeah. see sometimes in those stories that they tell on their show where Matt clearly has dropped like a plot hook. He wishes that they would take, but then yep. they just go the opposite direction. And just like, well, and he's like, they well, did it again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I guess I, I love. I guess I love working with them. I it is. It's not even a criticism, but good lord, the the fan fan bases are always so weird. I remember hearing uh, crap from people about like, why isn't Brennan on this season? Where's Brennan? And I'm like, y'all, I it, it to no fault of their own. It is just like the best way to make someone feel like shit. If you're like, okay, I see you're here, but like, where's my favorite white guy? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, yeah. making money somewhere else. That's, yeah, that fucking sucks. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. And it, 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 I appreciate it. It used to bother me a little bit. Uh, and then eventually it stopped in the same way because I had met and spoken to so many people who were like younger or older queer individuals who were so excited about it and were like, I've never had a show that was like queer and trans and just fluid friendly or like feel so seen or like so many characters that like engaged me in a way that I felt seen. And even if that was like a minority of people who were excited about it, as a minority myself, I'm like, you know what? I I don't need everyone to be happy or love what I do. If it meant a lot to these few people, like that's great. That's awesome. That's what matters to me. The people who the people who want me to be someone else aren't the people who wanted Gabe in the first place. And if you don't want Gabe in the first place, the internet's a wide place. Go anywhere else. But then if you come back, and I remember names because I'm basically Arya Stark. If you come back with some nasty nonsense trying to say, oh, I've been your fan. No, I saw what you said. Go somewhere else. I don't need you. I don't need you. But these beautiful buff lesbians that been in my corner all day, we're going out to brunch. Let's go, girl. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. As a as a buff lesbian, right? Well, I'm bisexual, but like as a buff gay myself, you know, I oh, yeah. I approve this message. I think yeah. um gen genuinely, I think that's where some of the best art comes out of too. It's like, what's oh the passion God. project? What are the cult classics? They aren't stuff yeah. that like people took to and really loved because it's not widespread appeal. Because widespread appeal means that it's very familiar and only has a little bit different. But if it's a yeah. if it's a cult classic, that is because it is something that is so different that it could not have widespread appeal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's a, a obviously a fine line between that and just creating something that is like cringe or like not good right but like to create like something boldly in a new category that doesn't have a widespread audience that's like the true form of like being just an artist in any medium whether you be a performer or a writer or like you know any sort of um did i say artist uh they're in there too um yeah. that, that drawing artist like the traditional but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um I think that's something to recognize and then be okay with. And for the same reason that indie games are really just in that sort of same vein where it's like you have people who have sort of designed only indie games and maybe have appeared as contributors in other ways, but a bulk of their work is indie games, like your Gian Shims, your Banana Chans, um, and yeah. like some of these people who have really just carved out like, I just make weird little games. Um, and, you know, people either like them or they don't 
like them, even if they don't like them, um, a lot of the time, because they have worked and refined like their uh, voice and what they are trying to do, and it's coming from such a pure place, you can look at it just as a piece of art. Even if you don't like the game, you still buy it because you're like, I want to look at this and I want to read it. And I want the experience of reading this and having some sort of connection to what the uh, creator was thinking. That makes total sense. Yeah. So it's it's totally different than like what we have to do as marketers or as like, um, you know, what we're trying to do, like when we're trying to sell product. But like, I think there's some like, and, and I've, I, I can't remember who said this, but like, there's some movies you do, like if you're an actor, there's some movies you do to pay the bills. And then there's, the, and that allows you the time to do the indie project that you really are passionate about. Like that's true. And I've, well, I've, I, what I mentioned before, the the product, the project that I did recently is like, if everything that I did is part of what got me to that point, plus just being a decent person, like all of all of that other stuff was worth it. It was it was worth it because I was happy, and it wasn't even about regardless of time or energy or payment. Like I left that feeling. And that was so rewarding and so reinvigorating. It, that's that's the, the happiness from something like that is what like helps really push the burnout back because then it's like it it was work. It was something that I worked and got paid for, but like it was it it would be it would be like it would be like doing a drag show. Yes, <laughs> I'm getting tips. It's yeah. great, and also I get to dance and sing and be the baddest possible and like if you if you can love the stuff that you do even when you're tired afterwards if you feel invigorated that it makes a huge difference yeah absolutely and speaking of feeling invigorated let's talk about the uh bromance between you and lord balvin on shikar which i (laughs) which i did not bring up in our topics it is okay if you don't want to talk about shikar no i'm doing reaction here (laughs) i love it balvin yo balvin balvin is like the person I didn't know of at all when Shakar started. And now mm. that's 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 my brother. That's my homie. That I talk to that dude like every other week. And if we don't talk for like three, four weeks, like we know we're good. I'll hit him up at like two in the morning, he'll up me up at like three in the morning. Then we might play games until seven. Then we might yeah. not talk for another <laughs> month. But that's my guy. Um and we've so we've cool. only even hung out in person like two, three times. But I remember the I remember the second time we hung out, we were like walking down the street at like 1.30 in the morning after like one of the weirdest fucking nights we've had in a long time. And we're like, yo, are we high? Did all of that happen? And I'm like, <laughs> we can never we can never like tell anyone in detail about this you know yeah. that right he's like that's true but uh yeah but we know or like it is just like it i've i have i only have sisters i i have never had a brother i love that man that man mm-hmm. that oh my god i i i would never commit a crime for him wink <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about my uh, my relationship with the uh, with Chelsea. Um, yeah, uh, little red dot. Uh, we smoked weed in her car at four a.m. at Gen Con. Um, Hell yeah! Saturday. And she was uh, I'm gonna spill her tea, but um, uh, she had a show at like seven or something, and she was late. What? So she like someone came and woke her up, and then uh, like she ran to the stage or whatever. Um, you know, and and changed in the, in the backstage before she Hell went yeah. on for a live show. What's it been like for you uh, doing Shikar and doing Shikar for so long? First of all, it's your longest game, right? Um, 
And what's it I've been like? I've never played in a D and D game this long. Yeah, what's it been like for you uh, playing in a story for that long? And then what's it been like between you and um, your developing, like not in a personal sense, but like in a sort of pseudo professional sense, with you and Jasmine and how that's developed? And like, what sort of things are unique uh, between a relationship and the GM and the player that have been playing together that long? Wow. Um, Shikar, yeah, Shikar is the longest game I've ever been in. I think it's like we're nearing three years. We just, we maybe I think we just hit two years. That that like the going from level one to level like seven. Uh, that is the. the it's I now finally understand how people can say it like took them like three years to get to like level 10. I finally understand. But it has it has really made me look into how this game is played. It has really taught me to like figure out ways to make the game more fun. One of the best things about Jasmine is Jasmine is a very like yes and DM where if we want to do something cool, we want to do something anime, we want to do something wild, we do it. And if we want to like figure out or like reset the tone or like talk about what kind of tone we're going to have for this game, we do it. And we don't just do it once. We don't just do it twice. We do that like every month, every other month, because the tone might shift as we feel differently or as like the story starts going differently. Um, and like that's that's my family. I will I I'll 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 fight somebody for those people. Like playing with Jasmine has I I barely knew Jasmine uh, before Shakar. We we knew each other from Motherlands, and we had been in one call before we started playing on Shakar. And now Jasmine is someone that I see like basically every Tuesday. Um, I have hung out with I I mentioned I mentioned this on stream so I feel bad about it like after like a long day in a party like I made sure Jasmine got home when I tucked her in to bed <laughs> recently and it really it really made a good precedent for like comfortable a game can and should be if you feel like you can trust the person who's facilitating the story because then it's then it's like there's there's plenty of situations where I'm like I feel I don't know how I I either feel nothing about this character so I don't feel like I'm losing anything when something goes wrong or it's like i feel strongly about this character so i'm very like restrictive about what i share about this character uh but with jasmine it's been like hey bronze i want you to make me feel trauma and i'm like i like hate trauma in my games but now that like i'm playing with people and especially like a gm who i can trust understand my boundaries and once and ask me about that i'm like oh no like like tear me up like i want i want a god mom who died because <laughs> i had to kill her <laughs> and then yeah. she's like okay but like i love that and i'm here for it how can i turn that up to like 11 i'm like take it up to 30 and she did and it fucked me up and it's great it, it really goes to show that like some level of trust in the person facilitating is so important even if even if it's someone that you don't know, and if it's a stranger trying to potentially come out of your comfort zone and still give them a little bit of trust with this story, because if you can't trust them to have a good experience with them, this is not going to be a good experience for either of you. And and Bronze really set that precedent. She is she is truly one of the most caring storytellers that I've gotten to play with who goes out of her way to make sure that we are seen, comfortable, and safe. Even though it is her world, she has made it very clear that it is our story. It is our story. It is our table. She's never projected that she feels above us in any way. Goes hella out of her way to remind us of that all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, 
pretty dope sometimes, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, I had a wonderful experience working with Jasmine myself um, for different reasons, a different, much different relationship, um, more of a work relationship. Um, um, But yeah, one of the things that I really noticed, and she says this all the time on social media in in the subtext of her tweets, but like, Jasmine is not a nice person. Jasmine is a kind person, in my opinion. So like, um, Jasmine will 100%, like you come in with some head ass takes, like she'll just be like, uh, you're a dipshit, like, yeah. and she'll just she'll, like eviscerate she does, she does you. She does it on mom so fast. There was someone who was saying, <laughs> who said something that was like a little offhand about me, and I'm like, you know what? I don't care. She's like, I do, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and she like went yeah. up, she's like, uh, 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 I will not let you speak to my friends. I and she she went full desi mom so fast, yeah. and I'm like, well, you shouldn't have messed with her kids. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, honestly, she, she's 100% uh, that way. It fucking, I, it broke my heart to, like, not be able to work with her anymore because I was too busy. And it really kind of broke me up. This is something that I haven't really brought up to her. But, um, and I, and I am looking forward to potentially working with her again in the future. But, you know, that's, she is doing so much shit that, like, I don't know when that could ever happen. But, like, yeah. I, I try to help when I can, but she, like, like like the the desi quest stuff mm-hmm. and just all of the other things that she's writing on and then just like trying to create more shows and the, yeah. managing the full-time streaming it's mm-hmm. like mind-blowing i th- i think and i'm very excited to see all of the stuff that she's doing and stuff that she's mentioned to me like hey i'm working on this thing and i could tell she was really passionate about it and i'm just like yes jasmine yes yes do the things you want to do and I'm very excited in these next two years, I think, where she's going to start like creating like a much larger presence for herself on the things that she is really passionate about. And people can finally start to see her for the incredible storyteller that she is. Um, I would, you know, put her up there with, uh, you know, Brennan and Matt Mercer, if not like, you know, a little bit above in some aspects. I think there's something she does better than both of them. And she's she's really great. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what she's doing and and seeing like uh, I would last comment about Shakar for me. You can talk about Shakar as much as you want. But um, last comment about Shakar for me. Best pregame chat of any oh, show my God. out there. If you it's, don't even want to so watch the live play, just listen yeah. to the first 10 minutes of every episode on YouTube because that shit is so funny. It's so unhinged every time. And like every time I show up, I'm like, yo, Gabe. All right, Gabe, this time, this time, keep yourself on lock. Keep yourself on lock. <laughs> Be calm and then just someone else gets started and i'm like well you know what <laughs> like they they fire me up so fast i'm 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 like usually i'm like nah nah other people ain't gonna get me worked up like and, and in a good way but like this group it's like they they awa- they awaken something in me. <laughs> and and uh shout out to balvin who's a uh, gay on tuesdays yeah. Oh yeah, honorary gay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, honorary gay on Tuesdays. Yeah, oh, I love I, oh. it's 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 fun and it's a comfort game and it's a home game. I would never tell them directly. I've turned down so many things on Tuesdays just because I'm like, nah, that's that's yeah. my game. I don't yeah. I don't I you can you can you can tell me that it's like great, but unless you paying me racks and racks. Yeah, and then and and I figure out a way to keep Chicago on on a different day. It ain't happening. Tuesday.
Tuesdays are yeah. uh, Tuesdays are sacred to me for that reason. Ew. I hope none of them hear this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think any of them listen, so I think we're good. Um. Yeah, if they do, they're beautiful. But if they don't, they're trash. Oh damn! Someone else is gonna, someone else is going to hear this and send it to them. <laughs> um, Looking at you, Xander. You're whack. I don't mean it. If you want to come on the podcast, Xander, I would love it. Um, but That's anyway, true. yeah, Xander. Um, but yes. Yeah, so so uh, I know Balvin would tell me no, but ooh, ooh, Balvin, really, Balvin? How you gonna be like that? <laughs> I would, I would love to hear Balvin talk to you. I would love. Hold on, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna text him later. That's, this no, is what am bit. I gonna talk to Balvin about? Oh, actually, Anything. I know, I know what I'm gonna talk to Balvin. I'm gonna talk to Balvin about GTA RP because I'm Ooh, curious about stories. That. Yeah, yeah, I would love to talk to Balvin about GTA RP and some of the weird shit that he knows about that's happened. I've made so many problems. They're GTA. Your mic isn't even picking you up. You're laughing so hard. Just I have made so many problems in the GTA RP server because I joined the game and I told Balvin that I wanted to make a villain. And I don't feel bad talking about this now because I don't think I'm going to play that character when we come back. But there was, uh, I was like, I wanted to make a villain that was like akin to like the Joker in sense and just make people like <laughs> so confused and concerned. So I yeah. started like going by the name Malice and I put uh-huh. on like a mask and I was staying on roofs and I was like taking shots at people and scaring them. And then I was like, like uh, saying like, ah, then people like there was like a social media. It's like basically like a fake Twitter as people were posting about like, oh, Malice thinks they're going to do shit. I'm going to come take him out. And so I uh, had said like, oh, I'm coming for you. And then I put on my character's normal clothes, who his identity was the son of the judge of the city. And he went to like the burger shop where everyone was. And then like everyone was like, like, who is this Malice dude? And then someone got hit by a car and they were like, oh my God, I think that was Malice. So I went around (laughs) the corner. I walked around the corner, pulled out my phone and tweeted, yeah, next time don't stand in front of my car. And then I came back out and they're like, oh my God, that was Malice. It's a manhunt. So then we went on like, like literally eight of us went on a manhunt for Malice. And what I discovered is you can log out of your phone and log into a different account. So what they were like, okay, everyone open up your social medias and make a post saying who you are. So I logged out of my Malice account and logged into the other one to post as if I was someone else. And I spent in-game days tormenting these people Friday to the point where I had a copycat killer that was pretending to be me. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, that's deep. Oh my God. God. That's like an entire weekend, at least like where you're just like no life in this game, huh? Yeah. great and they were like who is who is malice who and to this day only like unless someone else who knows listen to until they only balvin knew and balvin <laughs> balvin sent me a message there was a text like in like in real life he's like you're a menace you know what you did <laughs> i get i can i can predict like or i can guess what balvin's total would have been too just been like you're a menace 100 <laughs> and i'm like no balvin i'm malice <laughs> God, I've never talked about that either. What a power trip. Oh. Yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's special though. That's really cool. That's a, that's one of those great stories that like you really hope for in those role-playing yes. games. Um, yes. When you, the, about, so community good role player. Like, yeah. Chicago's, like Chicago's is the first D&D game, but Balvin is good at role-playing. He commits to a character. He builds a backstory. Yeah. He leans into it and he commits to his character. Ajax has gone through so much and like, 
AJ, like there was there was like emotional growth that happened consistently or like a- Balvin was noting that like Ajax's disposition was different because he's broken up or shy yeah. or upset or like he's experiencing some grief from something or like he can't process it. Uh, so yeah, let's I'm going to shame Balvin and uh, come in to talk about it. I'm going to I'm going to say straight up Balvin's character has made me cry before. Like <laughs> too. I've gotten I've I've been teary-eyed and I've cried a little bit because Ajax has such a powerful story in Shakar. But yeah, I'm I'm so uh impressed by uh Balvin's ability and I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh he's doing in the space. I know he has uh all right, I think he has like a, a normal job and then like he has like he does this as like you know his fun, that's why he streams at like uh yeah. at Gremlin hours. Um, he does but yeah um and he's so funny he's like uh he i could i couldn't say enough about like what i like about balvin but like he's such a great sense of humor seems like seems like um in my opinion uh and i've said this to uh some some other men in my life like kind of kind of like you in a lot of ways um in, in that like there's there's some men that sort of like really through their circumstance really embrace like toxic masculinity in which they're afraid of what other people think and what their expectations of what masculinity is men like you and like balvin are not afraid of that yeah you just are the man that you are and i think that's so important for uh men to sort of embrace and like especially when there's so many expectations and i'll you know just say like you being a black man there's so many expectations put upon you about what being a man is Um, (laughs) it's weird I'm like, I fuck, I'm just game. And about oh, this I love that this is like Balvin Bronze Hours. I I've I've had a lot of deep conversations with that dude that made me realize like people that I've known for years does not mean that they know me, does not mean that they get me, does not mean they've made an effort to. But like some of the some of the conversations I've had with him, uh I remember like he called me, he he called me up like late a while ago and was like, yo, you got like you got a little bit of time to talk. We just talked about this like incredibly heavy, important topic that he just wanted someone else's perspective on. And like it was it was a conversation where someone's like, I'm not trying to just feel good about myself. I genuinely need someone to tell me what they think and with no bias. And I'm like, that. I wish to God I had met more people like that in my life to realize that I could just have a conversation. Because also I was like, I was, I used to be terrified to like talk to like, like, or like show intimacy or like kindness to other dudes. Cause I used to get shit for it so yeah. much. Oh my God. I hated yeah. it. Like I, I totally the, the concept that. of it intimacy intimate and uh, like the uh, idea intimacy has to be a romantic thing every time is also such bullshit it doesn't it doesn't (sighs) yeah there's so and and i you know i've seen the best and worst of that especially when i was in the marine corps it's like these hyper masculine guys but then like they're literally like they jokingly um cuddle you know what i mean like they jokingly and they will never admit that they actually enjoy it but like they 100 they're doing some homoerotic stuff like they're doing some they're doing some stuff that would not be considered to be traditional but it's okay because we're wearing boot bands or like the you know we've got we've got our combat boots on so it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like the juxtaposition of like being so afraid of being called like the f word or like being uh, seen as like less than and then it's like this high this hyper desire for that real connection with another man and it's so um it's unfortunately or fortunately i'm not in that environment anymore and of course like i've since changed my gender and then like all this other stuff but like um 
Yeah, it's cheating I, Friday. You know, I you know genuinely um, don't recommend you change your gender unless it's right for you. It's not for everybody. <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't uh, recommend it for people who don't want like to suddenly be like hot and bothered and like starts fucking sweating when they start are talking to people um, that they're like Bodies even vaguely so attracted weird. to. Yeah, that's that's Bodies one thing weird. that's happened to me. Like I actually had like a really? bisexual panic attack and like I never used to feel this way about like i've always been bisexual but like um i never used to like recognize it or like sort of like internalize it but now that i have accepted that i'm like attracted to men when i like really connect with a man i start to get really hot and like literally hot and bothered because like i i have like it's a real thing it's a real thing and i and i was the first time it happened i was freaking out i was just like what the fuck is my body doing i don't understand what this is what is this and then um but yeah, since then I've like, you know, started to regulate it a little bit better. But like, um, wow. yeah, it's just one of those things where instead of being what everyone, including like, um, you know, members of my family and like society want me to be, I'm going to just be me. And I know yeah. that I personally am a bit of a drama queen. I'm okay with that. Um, that's who I am. And, yeah. um, you know, the people who love me and accept me for who I am also like that about me as well. And, um, you know, and that's what's important. Like, I know that I can be that way. I know I can, um, you know, freak out a little bit so that like when I need someone just like, you know, Balvin has come to you and I really want to discuss things in that way, I find someone that I connect with and uh, who wants to share that with me. And then I do that for them in exchange. And it's like this symbiotic relationship that we can have with two people and it doesn't have to be romantic. Like, you know, it's it's wonderful. I love queer connections like that. What you and Belvin have is queer, by the way. Um, I don't know. You can break it to him. I look. I if he hasn't accepted it, he'll have to look. He'll have to find out on the podcast. Not sorry, yeah. buddy. I'm gonna send him a yeah. link. I'm be like, Yo, Bavin, go to this. Go to this uh, timestamp right here. Actually, just just start, just start listening from here. You'll you'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's wonderful. That's so beautiful. I am. I'm just so uh, happy. And um, I had a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, my, I was involved a little bit with Shikar season two um, and just helping find the musician and like the graphic designer for that season. You did a great job. Um, And I didn't do any of the work. I was just emailing. I was the email person. That's the help. (laughs) But um, so I'm, I'm very proud to have been at least peripherally involved, not in any of the production, but like just being around and like being a support person, which I think a lot of productions really need. They're being a producer. I was not a producer for the show, but like that producer type role and like that assistant role or being that person that sort of makes things happen. Um, that is definitely an undersung uh, role within um, the actual play space. Um, a, because like there's not a lot of money in the space. Um, so like hiring someone full time to do that um, is kind of difficult, but um, in a number of other reasons. Have you thought about doing that yourself or like doing any bit of production or is that something you're not interested in? I definitely, well, I definitely, I like doing production stuff and I definitely need uh, an assistant for that. Uh, This is a great segue. The person that I originally hired to be my production assistant is now my co-owner of the Mythic Grove Productions. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At least least I had originally hired to help me out as like a production assistant and then just managing like emails and like organization. And then I'm like, damn, she's good at this. And now we just run a business together. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, um, (laughs) on your Twitter, so tall and so mad. How tall is Elise? (laughs) Like six two. What? Okay. I know. 
okay, doesn't look that tall, but is I, okay. I yeah, know it's, Friday. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I looked up. I'm five eight. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a second. Like just looking up. <laughs> hold, hold the fuck up. What you mean? I did she, was. Did she bully you? <laughs> no, she didn't. And I think that almost made it worse. She was kind of like, I know. I'm like, okay, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything yet. How you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, let's um, let's talk about let's talk about Mythic Rove. Um, what's yeah. your experience been? When did you get it going? How did it get going? Um, you you mentioned a little bit about like the production assistant thing. Um, let's yeah. talk about it. How did that start? I so Mythic Grove was an idea that I had like four years ago, three four years ago, uh, like everything else in my life because I'm bad with time. Um, <laughs> and I just I just wanted I was like, there's all these companies that have names and presences. It was when more of my career was going in a bigger way and going in a good way. And I remember being like thinking like, I don't need my face to be at the forefront of everything that I'm doing. I want to make things. I want to work on things. I want to work with people. Um, but I don't need it to be, it doesn't need to be Gabe's thing. I want it to be like a thing that Gabe is involved with. And I'm like, I so I came up with a bunch of different names and I was like, well, I don't want it to just be like fantasy. And I was like, well, maybe something about like myths, mythos. And I'm like, oh, but I'm a forest boy. So I'm like, okay, but what if what if there's a mythic grove where like stories tell or where mythical creatures of all shapes, sizes, and sorts appear and congregate into one place? And so I started like using that name for like just like overarching idea for what I was doing with these projects. And then eventually like I got in touch with Elise and we were talking, and Elise was like helping me like organize some of my emails. Um, and then Elisa talked to me about like the process of like putting together an LLC. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, it's probably like, like talking to you, like the benefit of like taxes and stuff like that. And she had been going through it so well that I was like, this is, we could, we could just, we could do this. Like this, this is a thing that we could do. So we, we put this company together. We talked about what is it that, what are the things that we want to make? Like for lack of a better, it was like things. We really, like Elise has a history in film and costuming and I have like most of my experience in like design and voiceover and editing. And so we have like a, and, and she has, she's incredible at business, uh, business strategy, marketing, uh, accounting, shit like that, like that. So we had a really like wide net of skills across that sense to do as much as we wanted to. So when it comes to like, like a sponsored cosplay, like, uh, that was for Ukatoa or, um, putting together like the concept and pitch stuff for session zero of uh, the session zero system and writing out like I did. And like, I love writing and I can write all day and I can write way more words. I can write an amount of words that I will not say out loud because if I say that I can do that many words in a day, some companies will look at me weird saying, Gabe, hmm, it's less than you uh, said for us. Um, but I can write words like a mad, like uh, mad rabbit. She is so great at like formatting and putting it into like a really good published sense that when we started just like putting things together, it was just so much easier, like getting things out on like itch or getting things out on like drive through and DMs Guild. And it just became a fun process where like talking with this person wasn't taxing. We could talk multiple times a week, respect each other's space. 
And there was also the point of like, I had a really good conversation with her that I was like, I'm aware of the presence that I have in the space. And I want you to do more of these things like yourself directly, because I never, I don't want people to introduce you as my business partner. I want you people to introduce you as I'm Elise. Um, and then you choose to say if you have any relation to me or like Mythic Grove or anything like that, because I don't ever want someone that I work with to be overshadowed by anything that I do, whether intentionally or not. But we ran our first Kickstarter uh, for the Session Zero system, which is like a story-based uh, storytelling game that is system agnostic. So you can do use for like D&D &D or Pathfinder or Cypher system. And like this version, uh, I say version loosely, is focused around fantasy, um, but there are intentionally designed like representation of more diverse character types whether that's physically or like visual appearance uh there are dozens of queer like queer relationships that are presented in the cards and it was intentionally designed to be accessible for newcomers because there's a lot of really good storytelling tools but they're also still pretty crunchy newcomers to tabletop don't necessarily know how to use crunchy tools and it's to no fault of their own they might love some more of those tools in ways that like the session zero system doesn't fulfill that i wanted to make something that like if i was trying to help my mother who's never played tabletop games make a character this is a like series of prompts and questions that could guide her through it and then figure out how to connect that character that she made by using the way the game plays to someone else's uh and it was the first kickstarter that we ran we raised over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars um we're being published by gpi which is a huge deal um and we are like still on track for everything that needs to get sent out uh we might be able to actually like ship things early like knock on wood uh intentionally plan some extra time it was it was an interesting experience because like it was it was a game that when i had i've been like it's another one of my infamous random tweets on Twitter that went widespread enough that people were like, Gabe, you should make this thing. I'm like, all right, dang, I'll make it. I had um, I had a company reach out to me telling me that they would publish it for me if I wanted to make it with them. And I had a conversation with them and I'm like, all right, yeah, we can talk about it. And the they offered me $12,000 for the year. Uh, they said I would make $12,000 in royalties and that's all that they were estimating for this project. And that was one of the biggest points where I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna just keep saying yes to something that I'm passionate passionate about something that I care about. I don't I don't want to give up and the ability to influence something that I really, really care about that I wanted. I didn't I didn't want to make this thing to make money. I wanted to make this thing because I wanted it to be helpful for people to play more games and be more engaged with. And so the fact that like the Kickstarter made $150,000 plus was like mind blowing. And it really set the precedent. It, it really also it was really one of those other points where I was like, damn, maybe like maybe I can do this. Like maybe, maybe with these people that I know, with these people that I'm working with, with these people that I'm talking to, with this foundation and network I've built, I can do this. That's Ooh. what a, what a liberating feeling. How did you feel when you hit day one and then it was working? I cried so much. I was like, I just like went outside and sat, like sat in a tree. Uh, as In a I tree? <laughs> what yeah. a gay thing. You climbed up in a tree and you're like, I need to be away from humans. <laughs> I was like, okay, I just don't want to touch the ground. Ah, this is better. And I'm like, I could fall. Nah, I'll be fine. 
And I was just like, like, wow, kind of like that, kind of like speechless. Like it's, I can, I can make these things. I can be excited about these things. Um, I, uh, I work hard for what I do and I'm grateful for what I have. And I still have so much more than I need to get done anyways. Like I've, I've never felt like people need to support me for the things that I do. I'm grateful that people do, but like, I'm never, I don't think I've ever been able to go into something like are going to buy this thing because it's the greatest thing that I've done. And like, I just, I deserve these people's money. I, uh, was more like, this is scary. <laughs> I'm really excited about this thing. And I hope that people like it. And like, like you said, it was liberating because it was like liberating and, and validating and that people did and people were excited and people do. And I can make something without sacrificing my beliefs. I can make something without sacrificing quality. I can make something on a bigger scale and like, like quote unquote, charge more so that the quality of life of everyone working on this, like gets paid a better rate. Like, uh, we, we talked with the artist about like, okay, like when the Kickstarter is funded, like you get a percentage of what the Kickstarter's result is. Cause it was important to pay someone for their time who was making an effort to really fit in some of this stuff or like putting in extra, like putting in a higher number so that we had so much budget for something that we hadn't accounted for yet. Like making a Kickstarter when there's, if you, if you don't have like an extra 10, $15,000 for something that might cost $10,000 on the line, then it's just coming out of what you had. But we built, we built in an intentional buffer zone so that like without even knowing how much editing might be or how much like play testing might cost, we knew that we had enough to cover that and still be able to make some money outside of that. And that was, that was the wildest thing. I think, uh, after, after session zero, I had, uh, for my personal cut, that was the first time I'd ever had that much money in my bank account ever yeah. in my life at one time. Yeah. Um, like we're, we're like, if my, my cut was, uh, between $20,000. Yeah. It was, it was between 20,000 and 60,000. I'll say that the amount that I had was like, like I, that, that amount was the most money I've ever had in my bank account at one time. And then not like have to like burn through it, like pay my bills and shit like that. Yeah. And that that really hit a point. It also it also maybe was like, okay, like I can I can do things like this occasionally. I don't I don't being rich sounds dope. This is this is a rich life. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. I can pay my bills. I can do this stuff. It was a it was a game that still has so many more places that it can go. Seeing people get excited about stuff. It's that something that wasn't D and D. That's it's scary. Cause everyone's like, well, if it's not D and D, it's not gonna do well. Well, if it's not like 5e, then like it's not gonna hit as like hit as much of an audience. <laughs> the people who told me that have gotten real. Yeah, I'm oh gosh, uh you're making me tear up. I it's not about making a ton of money, it's about making enough. It's that's it. Yeah. It's about making yeah. enough and being yeah. able to do pursue the things that you want to pursue and um yeah these people who are supporting these indie projects like this. I mean, you know, I'll say thank you so much for supporting projects like Gabe's and uh, some of these other projects coming through on Kickstarter. And the goal is not to get rich. It's to make enough to be able to really make maybe two or three, sometimes only one thing a year and like have that thing be incredible because I've spent the whole year making it. Like I have been able to focus on my passion for this game that's going to help create these great experiences for so many other people and that's what this industry 
at its core should be or feels like it should be in a dream, right? Yeah. That dream genuinely becomes a reality when we look at crowdfunding. It, it does. And I, I had um I had a I had a personal cap. I don't think this is something that people should necessarily do. This is just something that I did. Mm-hmm. I had I had a personal cap on how much I was going to take from the so I had like I had a percentage that I was directly getting from the Kickstarter, but I had a personal cap of like up to this much because if it went over that, I was like, I'd rather just, I'd rather just leave that in the company so that I can pay more people to do things like this, this a certain amount of money after that point, like I don't need that right now. I don't, and I don't need that in my bank account at this point. If, if I had like uh investor, like pull something from an emergency, that's a different sense. But like right now, and still, I don't, need all of that that's available i'd rather that be there so we can pay people to do things so we can hire people to do things and if it's like oh my god this idea is a great thing or like this is an event that's really important to be to having having company budget to do things like that rather than just like money in my pocket because i i i don't I spend money spontaneously, but it's on like theme games. DoorDash are probably, I think, the most <laughs> expensive things that I spend yeah. money on. I don't spend that much money otherwise. I, I get my parents' money, but like they don't yeah. ask for it. They just work too hard. Yeah, I know you don't spend um, money on a gym membership, so. Sure as hell don't. And my <laughs> complex has a built-in gym, so I still. <laughs> my complex has a sauna. It's wild. I don't know if it works. I've never seen anyone in there. I don't want to. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to use my apartment complex as sauna. Because like. Yeah, putting your bare, bare, bare ass on there. like. <laughs> to talk to me about the weather no carl we're not gonna have this conversation you're naked i'm naked we can just sweat separately no talking yeah sweat separately uh amazing um yeah i um i'm very interested in like the future of tabletop in the next few years um granted we have like a like a lot of things on the horizon that are kind of both scary and different and um, we'll have to figure them out. They're their own unique challenges like um, AI. And I know that some companies have come out with pretty strong stances against it, which is great because um, what inevitably, you know, like that's a race to the bottom for a lot of this creative stuff. It's like, you know, we can, instead of paying people a living wage, we can just have one person uh, use this program to 10x their output. That's not what this should be about. I saw a game on Steam that was literally just like Fire Emblem with AI art. And I'm like, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I, this, the, this industry is going to have a very, it's going to have a hard time. And I think yeah. a big part of what it's going to come down to it is the relationships individuals have built because people will want to support a person oftentimes more than a company on an individual scale or like at least in a greater support like people people might spend more money on a company but this person has a greater level of support even from like a handful of individuals like vice versa and i i think we'll also see a surge of or if not then i'm just gonna monopolize it and y'all scrubs can catch up solo (laughs) games solo games uh we see on like itch.io and such in not so much a small sense but not as heavily 
saturation as, as heavy of a saturation as i think it could be because solo games are in many ways how you engage new people into this industry people can learn how to play a tabletop game by themselves which means they like if someone knew how to play a, a solo game by themselves and that was their first experience learning how to play a game with other people is probably easier learning how to run a game for other people is probably easier when the only person that you have to keep track of is yourself i like like that Thousand Year Old Vampire is one of the coolest freaking books that I've read. I have read through it. And the thing is, I don't play that game right. And I know I don't play that game right. Yeah. But I'm still having a great time. And since it's a solo game, no one can tell me I'm playing it wrong. So yeah. more, more games like that, more experiences like that, that there's a market for it. There, there's a reason that people love the choose your own adventure games. People loved those series. People loved those games. Those are popular. We live mm -hmm. in a digital age. Do that and just add dice, baby. I'll pay for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wait, you wrote on Darkhold Secrets of Zentarum? Do you have a uh, <laughs> do you have a working relationship with Kiana Shaw? Yeah, uh, yeah, she's my co-creator for two of my projects coming up. Hell yeah! Uh, well, I even um, in 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 the Assassin's Zero, we shout out um, the Kiana's work on the uh, safety toolkit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was, that, that was another thing where I was like, this thing is dope. Go look at this thing. Like we have yeah. examples of other ones, but also still go look at this thing. Yeah, um, Damn, I forgot I worked on that. See, this is why. <laughs> this is why. So someone needs to tell me what did I what did I work on? I work, there was like a what's his name? God, D and D people are going to slay me for this. It's a really scary wizard man that had clones. Oh, um, starts with an M. Yes, <laughs> it's from uh, it's it's from the Waterdeep adventure. They put him in the Waterdeep adventure. <laughs> yeah, like, I can I can I can look it up real quick because I we were just talking about this adventure actually because we are uh, we I'm are. So sorry. No, you're good. Malakith, um, Malakith, Malakith, Mal no. no, that's Skyrim. No, um, so uh, we were just talking about this adventure actually because uh, we are splitting off. Um, where's Dragon Heist? God. Oh, there it is. We are splitting off. Uh, Mon Monfoon. Monsoon. Monsoon, yeah. Monfoon. Yes. Monfoon. Uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Let me find. <laughs> Uh, he's not listed in the, I'm going to have to actually find him. Um, it's, it's, it's M-A-N-S-H-O-O-N. Uh, let me go to the Zentarum. Monsoon. Merch. Maloon? War Dragon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, Maloon. Um, no, 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 that's not it. Uh. It, I, I think it is, I think it is Manchun, the founder of the Zentarum. Zentar yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Also known as the Black Network. And as he was slain by Fizul Shembru, his ally, <laughs> and Lord Oog. I'm I can't say these names fucking right. No, that's fine. That you did it perfectly well. Like that's that's the uh you know, you even had the voice on it. That was good. But for uh yeah, a lot of these um sort of creations and like a lot of these projects like and what you're taught that resonated me so much with me you talking about your relationship with like elise and like this relationship that i've developed with kiana over this past year um there are some people you just like you start working with them and you just gel really well and you like talking to each other and then you like creating together and that is something that is very unique to the space of just being a creator in a collaborative environment like this and creating games um that's just really cool and unique and uh kiana is definitely uh that person for me so um they're my co-creator for uh our g our romance uh our gm romance guidebook we're developing a how to gm uh romance 
uh, book oh, yeah. um, for later this year on Kickstarter. And then we're splitting off the Vineyard RPG book into we're putting the adventures in a separate book. And we're doing that separately. So we're going to be writing a, a good chunk of that. I, and then I prefer that. And I don't know when I had this conversation. It was within the last month. I do not actively want all of my stuff in one book anymore because if it's not intimidating, becomes heavier to carry or carry around. Um, but also in such a digital age, when I like have so many of my books on a PDF or something, a 20 page PDF to read through versus a 60 page PDF, it is it is so different. And there are times when I only need an adventure open or like I only need rules open and I don't know when it hit, but at some point I was like, I do like I've, I've seen the books that are like, here's all the character options and the classes and here's an adventure. And also here's the monster manual and it's in one book and that's dope. And it's like a massive book, but then it's too much for me yeah. to like sit there and get through it. And like sometimes I'm like, I just want to read the creatures, but I have to take the whole book with me to do it. Or I just yeah. want to look at the options. I need the whole book and uh, maybe, maybe even like having that option where people can do it. Some people like that, but I, I'm, I am glad that it's like split up a little bit. So now that I can get more of that, cause it, I, I look some, some days I wish some days I wish D and D just put out like a $5 PDF or something that was like, here's a new class and that's it. Instead of like, yeah. here's a new class and a whole book around it. I'm like, yeah. I just wanted the dancing rogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, little known option, actually, not that I uh, want people to go spend money on D&D Beyond, um, but uh, you can buy just an individual class on D&D Beyond. Which is, like, mind-blowing and one of the best things I think that they've done for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, definitely. That is a, it's a, it's a great feature. Um, the problem being normally that, like, normally in order to buy the class, you've already read the class somewhere. So it's like, you know, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Yeah, the MCDM did that as well, just for like, they just put out the ill rigor. They just put out a class. So that's yeah, kind of interesting. That's right. Yeah. But, um, cool. yeah, I, um, I'm excited moving into like this next, uh, block of time in my career. Um, we'll see how the first day I'm going to be high the entire first day. So if you contact me on the start of the Kickstarter or you have contacted me in the past, uh, on the first day of my Kickstarter and it wasn't to console me because it's uh, tanking, but you've con contacted me to congratulate me, I'll either be crying for good reasons or bad reasons <laughs> and I will oh, yeah. be high most of the time, uh, the oh, yeah. entire day. Uh, it's actually, um, um, our launch day falls in the um, the dreaded Watsi Summit. Um, the oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, in, yeah. I live in this area, so like I just sent messages to people, and I was like, "Hey, so I'm in the area. If you want to come hang out, we're launching our Kickstarter that day. I mean, like later. I don't know what you're doing, but like you know, I'm gonna be out gonna, with gonna, uh, gonna my my uh, my lead people, uh, Nat and M. So that'll be super cool. I'm looking forward to that aspect of it, and just like um, I've actually never met M in person before. I'm really excited to meet Wild. M. I really like M, uh, and I for whatever reason we just have not been able to meet up and like sort of uh, have that you know friendly moment between us. I've been working with them for like two years now, but yeah, I am really excited for the next year for us and like putting together these projects, finishing the book, putting it out, and having. Uh, for what people think, I've started a playtest. The adventure that comes is going to come with the book. We're only going to include one adventure. I'm the writer for it. Um, and we have also 
uh, VJ Harris and uh, Nat Kryman and uh, Kiana Shaw, who developed The Confessor. And then we have Wonderful Art by Yorsi Hernandez. And then we have um, editing going to be done by Earth um, and uh, developmental editing by Nat Kryman and also uh, M. Ebel. And then, am I forgetting anybody? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, Venetus Maps is going to be developing the VTT Maps. Um and also a side view of the tower. So by now, people will have Whoa. played this. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be 35 pages on the PDF. It's dropping on the first day. Hopefully people like it. We'll see. Um, the dossier itself is going to be 6 to 10 pages. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then the adventure itself is going to be 25 pages. And then we're going to have about 5 pages of maps. Yeah, so it'll it's I think the adventure altogether including stat blocks is about 10,000 words. I wrote about 7,000 of it for like the adventure itself, but Damn, girl. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> This is not an advertisement for the adventure that you can get now, but if you want to, you can probably find the adventure available because it'll be, it's free to download if you are thinking about whether or not you want to buy the Vineyard RPG, which Gabe is contributor on as well. And then also, um, if you want to, uh, you know, support the team, um, one of the things that I'm looking at doing, we'll see how it works out um, as far as like pay. One of the things that I have um, tried to do as much as possible is um, I want to pay people good rates. And then also I want to pay royalties. And that's just a conversation I had with uh, Charlie, um, who's the senior editor at Polygon, because I uh, will be in Polygon, I guess, which everybody will yeah. know by now by the time this podcast comes out, which I'm like Charlie super Hall, excited right? about. Yeah, Charlie Hall. Charlie's yeah. great. I love Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's so enthusiastic. I love Charlie. Um, but it's just weird to think like that uh, I'm going to be in Polygon. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, like That weirdness um, never goes away. <laughs> it's like, Congratulations, but it, yeah, it stays weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I actually, I, I don't know what it is. I shouldn't share what Charlie said to me privately. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but there one of the go. things that, yeah, I was just thinking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm, he's a reporter. Maybe he said some of that stuff in confidence to me. But anyway, um, or a, a journalist. But one of the things that uh, I'm super excited about is um, paying people enough so that they don't have to take a bazillion, gazillion projects. And that is like one of the things that I was really surprised by when I first came into the industry. And I was like, okay, who's paying what and what are the rates? And then I heard such very Fire. disparate things. It's like I Trans heard everything from like, over. yeah, I heard everything from like eight to 12 cents a word. And I was just like, okay, so how many words do you need to write to make a living wage? And I did the math on that. And I was just like, holy fuck. Like yeah, you have books. Books and books and books. I was just like, what the fuck? Is everybody Stephen King? Is everybody like writing like books on books on books? Like, what the fuck? Like, how mm -hmm. is this? So nobody makes money. And then I run into these yeah. freelancers like uh, Brian Cortijo has been, been in the industry for 20 years. And there's a reason why Brian Cortijo does not work full time in games. It's not affordable to support a family. It's not possible. It, it makes me wonder, like, what is it that we have to do as an industry to get people paid more? Well, part of that, in my opinion, is expectation. The expectation up front for the vineyard is like, you can get the early bird prices, like if you support the Kickstarter right away, or you can pay the normal price. And the normal price for me is $65 hardcover, because like, how am I going to pay people with less than that? And then like, it's going to be a $45 PDF or a $40. I can't remember what I decided on. But and that's because I want people to get paid. And I want people to be able to do less projects so that they make better work on the projects that they actually are passionate about. And that's and moving that's, forward, that's I think, where the industry important. needs to go. It's, it's a stand. Well, yeah, people, the industry at this state really does take advantage of a lot of people's need for anything and their mm -hmm. need for anything makes people undercut them. And when you undercut people and do it consistently, then it just creates a really, really bad standard. I, um, 
I, I know that part of the reason people uh, gaze upon any successes that I've had and like sustainability is just because it's like, how did Gabe manage to be so sustainable in a situation that's often not? It I I didn't I didn't realize how uncanny and uncommon that was, and it's kind of heartbreaking. It's upsetting. It's like you have these people who have spent in the case of like, for instance, I was just talking to uh, Yorsi, who's our uh, who's our painter who does our portraits, beautiful portrait work. I'm so excited for people to see it. Every person that's looked at like this art from Yorsi is just like, this is the most eye catching, stunning shit I've ever seen. Like, I cannot look away. And it's like this person worked for 10 to 12 years being a painter to get to here. Why shouldn't they make a living wage? Like, this is something that is changing people's perspective and affecting them with their art this is a professional yeah and a professional who's struggling in their profession yeah to make what they need to make even after all of this work like and god being being an artist doing this stuff is just uh, it's disheartening i am so grateful to all the artists that i know who even make a little bit but they do not make enough it's so difficult because people are so i think they look at creative works and games and leisure activities as something that is of course it's not necessary in their life but um okay don't buy it if you don't want to pay people a living wages the way that i look at it like the reason why i am you know we'll see how we do <laughs> Um, and I have, you know, been properly warned by a lot of people in the industry, like, hey, this might not work out because like you're charging uh, more than people are used to paying. And that's the problem. The problem is there has been one or two people in the industry and by people, I mean, companies um, set the price at an unreasonable, unsustainable level for everyone else um, because they are paying people an exposure and not a living wage. And therefore, like, how am I supposed to compete with that? I can't. I can't compete with, you know, someone undercharging and undercutting their contributors um, in order yeah. to make this unreasonable $50 hardback cover price. It's a fucking shame. It, uh, uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's it's not reasonable. And like, it takes all this extra communication and like almost like trying to teach your audience and your industry and the communities that are underlying in that industry. And teaching takes time and teaching takes effort and teacher and teaching is, and it's not always rewarding and it's important, but it's so stressful because like you want, you want everyone to be able to sustain themselves. You also are trying to fight against existences that will actively undermine that or work against it because the way that they've done it is what sustains them. They're worried about themselves and their company rather than the people who are making the products that draw the audience to them. Yep. It's predatory. It's yes. unethical, I would say, yep. in a lot yes, of ways. Instead of looking at your budget and saying, hey, I'm sorry, we can only pay this much. Why don't you just take the extra time to be like, how can we make more so that we can pay people more? Why don't you just have that conversation instead? I think in my opinion, and this is, I'm okay with, and part of this is me just understanding on some level, Gabe, I don't know anybody shit in this industry and I never have, and I never yep. will. And if yep. people give me work, I'll be happy for it. Um, yep. But I've only been offered one gig in this industry. Well, actually like, yeah, for writing, I've only been offered really like one gig. And at some level, I'm just like, okay, well, I don't need other people. I'll just fucking make it. You know what I mean? I'll just fucking do it. And part of the expectation is like that. Unfortunately, freelancers are held in this disproportionate power relationship with these publishers and these companies to where they hold all the chips. Because um, if you are deemed as a problem because you want to talk about wages and how you have been negatively affected by a company, you get blacklisted. That's why we should fucking unionize. Like it was. Ooh, let yeah. me tell you, Gabe, my face 
I made when I found out that my artist rates were four times a well-known publisher's. I was just like, four times? 400% of what this global distributor is paying? Global? I run this shit out of my garage. It's, 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 it truly is astounding how much indies pay more than certain corporate entities i i found out um someone i hire for something i was i was asking them I'm like what's what's your ideal um i have like this much but i can try to flex i can try to work around it i was like what, what how do you normally do your rates and they're like well i've been trying to do more per hour because that's more reasonable for me so i like i paid them per hour and then i found out that like after like around 500 dollars of their like per hour rate there was another company they were working for that was charging them five hundred dollars, uh, but it took them twice. It took them like twice the amount of hours that it would have taken if they were just going like by their hourly rate. So they should have made twice as much. But the company's like, "Nah, we're just gonna pay you per piece, regardless of how long it takes." for these massive scale pieces. And the person was like, well, I had to say yes, because it was the only work that I was getting in the past like month. And it was like, it was for like two, $3,000 worth of work, work that if they were going by their hourly rate, they should have been paid like $5,000 for. It's unfortunate. It's like, it's, it's frustrating. These companies have all the power when really in this sort of environment that we have now with new media, the the power dynamic is about to change, thankfully. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think a lot of these indies that I see out there, like uh, Banana Chan and Jeon Shim, I'm very interested. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited to talk to Banana Chan later in the week. Uh, can you tell? Or is it later in the month? Is it in two weeks? Um, yeah, it'll be April 8th. I talked to Banana yeah. Chan. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'll probably still be weepy from the Kickstarter, either good or bad. But um, <laughs> and then I will probably, you know, ask Banana Chan about their uh, Kickstarter, um, you know, experience. But anyway, sorry. Um, distracted. Yeah, I I am especially interested in crowdfunding. Uh, not even like the Kickstarter crowdfunding. I'm talking about like itch.io or like whatever GoFundMe. Like you as a creator developing stuff, weird little things that you thought up at 2 a.m. and you put on Gremlin voice for TikTok. And then you're like, hey, that's actually a good game idea. I'm going to develop this. And you just fucking put it out there. And then you build your audience that way. And you connect with people by creating stuff that you love to create. And then eventually you're like... Yeah, this is something right. that I've put time into and I have developed and I've refined and I put real work into it. Will you please support this? And then eventually people will come around and like support you. And I and I really like that sort of business model, this creator yeah. business model that sort of emulates in some ways like YouTube or some of these other places where um, you just start as a hobbyist and then you develop it over time. And then eventually you're producing professional level work because you have worked on it. Yeah, I remember... Um... That, that that class module thing what it was like uh, ability and score increases by class and I originally just put out one class and people were like oh this is cool I want to see more and then I put out like three classes and I'm like here's an itch thing I'm trying to figure this out and then like I, I will never forget that like over a year span the thing was like a pay what you want it made $17,000 and I'm like what oh yeah 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 I'll send you I'll send you all the statistics for oh it oh my but, like, that, god that that pay what you want thing on pay itch what that you was, want that was, yes, those are made. like criminally under underperforming wow i think it if was, you get people was, not to pay they will not pay i think it was uh about like seven it was around like seventeen thousand downloads it made seventeen thousand plus dollars Holy um, shit. and the thing was like only half the people that downloaded paid so like oh nine thousand people 
paid enough and some people paid like a dollar some people paid like two hundred dollars i was just i was really excited about it i was posting about it like every like couple weeks as i was updating it and the the thing that was wild was like and even though it was pay what you want some people who bought it once bought it again when i had updated it yeah and i'm like oh my god for real which is which is another aspect of why i've always been like just you know like if if you're nervous and you're excited but you're you're excited like put it out there the the people who are excited about it will be excited about it and the people who want to give you a hard time are envious or jealous or they just want to say something uh, yeah. or they're like maybe they have a similar idea but it's like it's okay if someone else has a similar idea cuz no one's going to make your idea the way you would yeah absolutely and like at the same time this is something i actually learned from jasmine going full circle too um my just all the fucking golden nuggets that i got just from being in jasmine's like sphere for a a short while i was talking to her about some business thing and she was like hey friday i gotta tell you something hey you're worried about what everybody else is fucking doing you need to be worried about what you're doing and i was just like god damn it jasmine you're so fucking right like (laughs) and i was just like you're worried yeah she's so fucking right because like i was because i was like kind of wrapped up into and you know how ttrpg twitter is i was kind of wrapped up into that aspect of like you know what's everybody doing am i going to produce something that's similar and then jasmine was like just do it you know actually did i ever tell you that the vineyard started because jasmine told me to do it yes yeah i I remember that conversation I yeah, yeah. That. And I'm glad. Yeah. Was, just make the fucking thing. I remember like bringing it up and I was like asking because we were talking about because I was just kind of asking her advice. And I waited a little while when I was working for her. I waited like three months to ask this question, but even though I wanted to ask it right away, I was like, um, can I do to create writing opportunities for myself? And I was like, I have this project, mm-hmm. but I don't know like what to do about it and then she was like hey you're pretty good at project management just just start it and then i was like okay and then i sent emails to a bunch of people yourself included and i was very surprised that so many people wanted to participate yes friday people were just saying yes it's wild i'm still blown away by that i'm still blown away that i uh got so much support from all of our contributors and thank you you know what that maybe maybe that also relates i think we are more blown away by people supporting us than people looking at us are because people perceiving us see how hard we work or like recognize the time and effort that goes into it and it's it's like wow like why did all these people say yes and versus the people on the other side are like yeah you know what i get why all these people said yes uh looking at the person that like they're working with yeah i um And, and, you know, at the same time, like every once in a while, like um, just when I think I've like crested the hill or I've like made it, I get humbled. But (laughs) which is good, which is good. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, I I just have so many uh, times that happening, especially as a pro GM. And I'm like just dealing with regular people. And like sometimes, you know, um, I get some feedback where I'm just like, okay, that's whack. Uh, You know, obviously I'm not the table for you. But like and that's the thing, like. And and some people like stress about like, hey, I don't think I'm good enough to be a pro GM. And I'm just like, hey, you don't got to be like, uh, you don't got to be like a Jasmine or a Gabe Hicks or like a, you know, a Matthew Mercer or Brennan. You just got to be good. And then you got to be a good host. And then that's it. And then like, regardless of how good you are. Yeah. Well, and and also regardless, and it's something for creators as well. uh, It's very similar. No matter what you do, there's going to be people out there who don't like it. No matter what you do, you could be like... And, and this is like when you look at like stuff that like um especially like stuff that um like for instance like brennan or or matthew mercer or like b dave walters or like you know some of the other prominent storytellers in the space um or like jasmine or yourself and it's some people just don't like you or don't like 
your storytelling or they just don't like yeah there's and there's nothing you can do about that unless you want to just build up this false persona and like just yeah. destroy yourself from the inside of like wearing a mask constantly but i'm all about need, people i don't demon. need to be i never need to be the people storyteller i just need to be my people storyteller yeah <laughs> holy shit that's i'm gonna be thinking about that oh fuck yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, damn i think that's a really good note for us to leave it on so let's wrap it oh, up yeah. here Gabe. um do you have anything yeah this was great this was a wonderful time um do you want to do you want to talk about anything that mythic grove is doing in up in the future or you're doing up in the future Ooh, uh mythic grove will be testing a by now actually probably um a more podcast focused actual play with a little bit heavier editing to add like sound effects and diving into more genres because i have seen who i'm just saying i have seen plenty of companies do different genres outside of fantasy pretty well and i want to give them a challenge to see if they can do it better like i do that's exciting okay wow um do we have a tentative like date of anything that you're going to be releasing or like you're going to start previewing i'm gonna there's there's gonna be a preview probably like mid-april oh so people will have already seen it okay 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 cool mid mid april probably a preview and then like an episode will probably release close to when this comes out probably like late late may an actual episode will be out but it's like the first the first thing is heavily like uh last of us walking dead inspired oh where it is like kind of like storytelling anthologies people always people are either like gabe you're a terrifying dm or like gabe you're like such a soft dm neither I'm going to put the fear of God in them. <laughs> and then after I do make them realize in this world, there is no God and there's only me. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be, uh, but I'm excited. Yeah, that's super cool. And we'll, you know, Gabe's links are in the description. So you can uh, check out what Gabe is doing lately. Or uh, if you just want to lose some time looking at his TikTok, uh, he's doing Hell a lot yeah. of stuff. My so. TikTok is about to be so weird in the next couple of days, like two. <laughs> uh, so this will have been months ago. So if you scroll back months and I see likes, I'm not going to shame you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, now my TikTok about to get real weird. I've been like, I've it's it's been feral hours lately because I've been like, what if all of someone's bones were replaced by mimics? And like, uh, what if they just eventually like they just lost control of their own bones and they're walking somewhere but they don't know why? And then like their oh. fingernails open up to have teeth and it's just oh, and then yeah, like they good. watch themselves eat someone. Oh my god! All right, yeah. we're stopping the podcast right now. <laughs> Hi, thanks for listening. If you want to support me you can find me on patreon at patreon.com slash is friday or you can find some of the work that i'm doing at vineyardrpg.com if you want to pre-order the book that we made 